Hey guys, welcome to Into the Spotlight with your brother and friend Roger. Now this is going to be a very short podcast. I'm just going to stick to the point and uh, basically uh, answer the age-old question as to why I left Jamaica. Why I'm no longer seminarian for Jamaica. Um, I must say it has been um, very painful two and a half years of... Um, leaving Jamaica, of um, not being a seminarian of Kingston, um, of the Athletics of Kingston in Jamaica. and uh, But before I start, let us um, let me begin with a prayer. We should always begin with a prayer when we're going to talk about difficult topics, right? So, let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. O most Holy heart of Jesus, fountain of every blessing, I adore you, I love you, and with lively sorrow for my sins, I offer you this poor heart of mine. Make me humble, patient, pure, and wholly obedient to your will. Grant, good Jesus, that I may live in you and for you. Protect me in the midst of danger. Comfort me in my afflictions. Give me health of body, assistance in my temporal needs your blessing on all that I do, and the grace of unholy death. Amen. Yes, um, before I start, I just want to let you guys know that I will try not to call any names. I will try not to slander or to degrade or to chastise. I will, not, I will try not to do all of that. Um, this is not an opportunity for gossip. Rather, it's an opportunity for me to let go, to grow, and to become a functioning seminarian for the Archdiocese of Miami, in which the, the Lord has called me to, to serve in this moment. Um, weirdly, um, I didn't imagine, I, I have no idea that I would have been serving as a seminarian for Miami. I didn't dream of this. And so I, I, I am seeing it as the hand of God working, working. But I realize that I cannot grow unless I let go. And so I need, I need to do this podcast. I need to let go. Um, when uh, when when friends and parishioners and you know people know me to be seminarian for Kingston, when they ask me about why are you not a seminarian anymore, it there's a little pain within my heart whenever they ask me, you know why are you not a seminarian anymore. And so it pains my heart when I hear these, when I hear the question um, as it regards to why I'm no longer in Jamaica as a seminarian. And uh, so I, I, I decided that I, I need to let go. I need to move on. I need to forgive. And I need to love my Archdiocese of Miami. I need to love the people of um, Miami Day, of, of, um, of the different parts Miami Day, um, Broderick County, 
so I need to love my people here. I need to honor and respect my archbishop, my vocation director, and my formators. But how can I do this without first explaining to the country in which I have, in which I have, um, in which I have grow, grown into? I grew up there. Um, this is the country who nurtured and fostered my vocation to the priesthood. It was the country who accepted me into the seminary, who sent me to study in a different country, to learn a culture and language and philosophy. They paid for my education. And so it was, it, it, it was so painful when I decided to leave. So painful. I was disappointed in myself more than how I was disappointed in the in those who are in authority who are supposed to pull me and draw me and console me and love me. So I had to accept that. And I just want you guys to, if you remember the story of the prodigal son, I just want you guys to remember this part of the prodigal, of the story, where the father, where the son recognized he was wrong and decided to run back to the house of his father. And the father did not hold any grudge against the son. Instead, the son, the father embraced the son and clothed him and gave him a ring and welcomed him back. I want you to have that image in your in your in your head or in your mind and in your heart as I as I journey now to explain to you what were some of the reasons why I decided to leave Jamaica. So I left Jamaica uh, in two thousand seventeen after finishing my studies. In the Dominican Republic, I did um, my three three and a half years in philosophy at um, Seminario Santo Tomas de Aquino. Um, I was sent there by the former Archbishop of Kingston and uh, um, to do studies because the seminarian the the seminarians of the AEC, um, especially guys from Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, and Dominica. They sent their seminarians there because the seminary in Trinidad and Tobago, it was it it had closed for renovation, and so they sent the seminarians to the Dominican Republic. So I myself and this other seminarian were both sent to the Dominican Republic. When I was going there, this the last seminarian from Jamaica was leaving Santo Domingo, and so when we went to Santo Domingo, there was a there were three seminarians from Trinidad and one seminarian from Dominica. So we became friends with them. Um, so there were systems in place in the Dominican Republic, Republic. We had formation, we had mass, we were formators, we have spiritual direction, we have ministries. We, it, was, it was a functioning and it was, it was a seminary that had it thing, it stuff in place. Um, also, when you join the seminary, you are normally placed in first philosophy and you continue up to third or fourth philosophy and then you are 
um, your advance to theology after philosophical studies and you're sent to theology to study. Now, in 2017, I went back to Jamaica and I went there. I was told by my the current archbishop that I was going to be a seminar. I was going to be studying in Jamaica. Um, I spoke to him and I said, Your Grace, is there systems in place? Do we have the priests? Do we have the the systems that are necessary for formation within the seminary? Is it in place? Uh, I remember he said to me, Yes, we are getting priests from from the US, we're getting priests from the Caribbean, and we are, we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready for August. And so I was hopeful because this is um, this is somebody I know. I I knew him before he was even made a bishop or a monsignor, so I trust him because he was a father to me. He was a dad. It was the he is and continued to be the only male person or figure that um, I I continue to look up to. Yes, I'm disappointed. Yes, I'm sad. Yes, I'm heartbroken. But I continue to look up to him because of the role um, he played in my upbringing. I met um, the current Archbishop of Kingston when I was in grade four at Jesuit Paul. So I was probably 10 years old when I met him. He became a family friend. I knew his family. Um, we served, I helped him with uh, mass, with funerals, with weddings, with visiting the sick, blessing houses, you name it. So um, I went back and I gave my trust and I gave my will over to the bishop because that's what you're supposed to do. Give your will over um, in obedience to your bishop. So I went back home. Um, I took part in um, a youth camp um, within the Archdiocese that was successful. It was wonderful. Um, it was tr it was for me. It was glorious. Yeah. So I I did that, and of course I was looking forward to this August morning of school of class. But after the after the um, after the the. The, the the camp there was nothing else there was nothing in place the seminary was still not ready there was no priest there was no there was nothing ready so a priest recommended that we should go on a retreat before starting seminary so we went on a retreat and the retreat was good I remember it was it had been good but we the there was no priest to guide us on the retreat. And there was no mass to guide to lead us on that retreat, so we went to a parish for mass, because there were. <laughs> oh, so we didn't have any priests to guide the retreat, and we didn't have any priests for confession or to say mass. So we had to go to a mass. So that was for me a troubling sign. First retreat for seminarians, no priest, no confession. And we had to go somewhere else for mass. So that for me was very troubling. Um, very troubling. Very troubling. So um, I entrusted my vocation. Um, that year of formation in theology. 
to the um to the Holy Spirit, to Mary, our mother, our mother priests, and seminarians, and um, so that was painful because I came back from the Dominican Republic after going through uh, tremendous ordeals, um, whether it has to be with um, racism, cultural adoption, or adaptation rather, um, it, it was painful. Um, when I was in the Dominican Republic, I felt forgotten by the Archdiocese of Kingston. There was no, um, it, it, I felt abandoned. So I had to reach out to, hey, shout out to David, David and his mom, David Stone and his mom, they um, they called me and they asked me if I'm okay, and they sent me um, they sent me I think it was hundred dollars or fifty dollars, and they sent me money so that I could buy um, laundry soap and tally tissues and deodorant. Um, it it was it was it was it was some difficult time there. Um, it was it was difficult. Um, but I nevertheless I entrusted my vocation to the Virgin Mary, and I pray that she would have guided me, you know, to guide me through all those years in the Dominican Republic. So coming home, I, I felt safe. I felt, you know, I'm, I'm home. This is Jamaica. This is where I was born. This is where I lived. This is the people I know. I grew up with, and so I felt, you know, I was good to be home. Anyway, the seminary started. At um in Papine and we went there, but there we had a, a rector, but the rector was also a pastor. He's also a, a pastor of two parishes, and he was also busy with different groups and ministries, so he didn't have time for us. We we got like two priests to help us, but they're both foreign priests. They didn't understand the culture. They didn't understand the runnings, and they themselves also decided to leave because of the lack of support, the lack of structure. And so they decided to walk away from it too. So we um, we were there and we had no mass, we had no formation, or we had no spiritual direction. We had to find it on our own. It wasn't, you know, mandated to us. We could go weeks, months without, and nobody cares. We, um, we had, I remember one of the guys, he was, well, two of them, they were struggling um, academically, and there was no structure in place. Um, you know, to you know, there was nobody overseeing your work to make sure that you are keeping up in classes and you're in time. And you, know, it, it, there was no structure. And I, I shared this with some friends and fellow priests, and I also shared this with the archbishop. I shared with him my concern, and. At, at first, he was listening and he shared with me his own um, pain and he's not, he's not receiving support. And he shared with me that, you know, priests were supposed to be coming, they are no longer coming. And so I, 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 could, I could feel his own pain, you know. But nevertheless, I, 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 was, I wasn't about to jeopardize my formation. I wasn't going to allow my formation to be jeopardized because I'm a friend of a friend. I I wanted to see structure. I wanted to see um, things being done. And sadly, 
it, instead of getting better, it got worse. Um, there were um, internal issues um, within the community and there was nobody to solve them. And again, here I am going to be a priest for the people and uh, I'm carrying this hurt and all this pain and I'm seeing where my own brothers are not in love with each other, brotherly love. And I'm not saying that we should be perfect, but there's something that we should see within priests, especially when we, when we have seen a lot of priests who went through formation and you wonder if they've ever been through formation. And so for me, I was very concerned that if we are going to be form, forming priests, that we should take it seriously. It is not our money being used. It is the people's contribution and collection um, that are being used to support this vocation. And if people are using their last to give to the seminary formation, then we should make sure that the seminary has structure. I share these sentiments and I share this with Archbishop but he, he wasn't he wasn't pleased that I was complaining. And I remember one day uh we had an opening mass and he preached and he was preaching about seminarians who were complaining. Now I know that it is not mature enough to when you're upset with somebody to call them or to call them out by saying some stuff that he knows is very personal to them. And for me, that was like, wow. So I spoke to this guy in private and he decided to to blast me in public. Um, anyways, things went by. So um, I, I had good grades. I was always on time, always properly dressed, went to class. And because I received those form, I've received. You see, when you're when you're when you are formed, there are certain things that you you know some some things that you used to do, or how you dress or you speak, it change. You know, it change in formation. Nobody enters a seminary and come out the same way. Nobody. I have never met a seminarian who went into the seminary and came out worse. Most of the seminarians, when they're leaving, their hearts are in the right place, in a good place. And they're leaving because they felt the Holy Spirit saying to them that this is not the place for them or where they should be. And so I, I, I spoke to the Archbishop. I spoke to him four times. I sent him emails. And, you know, uh, I, I was really concerned. So I, I went through the first semester. Um, in the second semester, um, uh, I, I remember we had another retreat, and and I was there until the Easter Easter Sunday. So I was I was there for the second semester. I just didn't do the exam, so I was there for a year. I just didn't do the exam, so I finish, I finish the the year at the seminary. But I didn't do the exam. All on good grades. So um doing that, the um things were just still not in place. No 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 Eucharist. 
Oh, can you have the, uh, a seminary? No, you curse. Also, seminarians were, um, who have never studied philosophy, were, they were studying theology. So, how can a seminarian study theology without not knowing philosophy? You know, it's faith and reason, not not faith alone, but reason, faith and reason. And the seminary also had a partnership with um, a Protestant seminary. So seminarians who have no idea of philosophy were studying Catholic theology and studying Protestant theology. I raised concern about that. How can you be studying Protestant theology while studying to become a Catholic priest and at the same time missing the foundation of philosophy? It still went on. And seminarians were also taking part because uh, when you finish, you will get a degree from the University of the West Indies. And so seminarians would have um, would be taking class at the University of the West Indies, at the Protestant University, and at the Catholic University um, seminary without any formation. Now, these are your future priests. These are your priests. These are the priests who will be marrying... Um, your kids will be baptizing your kids, will be hearing your confessions. And I wasn't just looking, I, I wasn't just thinking about today or tomorrow. I was thinking about the future. Jamaica is 2% Catholic. Um, our country is ripe for our Catholic faith. It's ripe for vocation. But again, um, I, 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 I knew that I needed to be formed, to be formed into, into a, a seminary that will enable me, will enable me to be spiritually, intellectually, and um, um, to, to be formed in those ways so that I can um, understand and, and preach the word of God that's um, when it's necessary. And so um, it, I, I wouldn't say that I left um, or I leave Jamaica because of a person. Because I could have deal with that person. I could have deal with that person and just work with the formation. So it wasn't because of the Archbishop. I decided to leave Jamaica for my good. Some may call it, oh, you're just selfish, you're thinking about yourself. Well, I'm thinking about the church and what I need to grow into so that I can help the church. So if that is selfish of me to think about how oh, I can help the church best by first grow into my self-knowledge, grow as a man of... of, of um, in this, in, in my own spirituality and in the spiritual of the church, then if you see that something is wrong with that, then maybe you're part of the problem. But I give God thanks that I was accepted for Miami. I went, I really do um, 
my philosophy. So I redid my philosophy. And uh, I went on my pastoral year. I was working in a parish. And uh, I'm currently moving on to my second year in theology. And hopefully, God's willing, next year I'll be a dean, a deacon in 2022. And God's willing, 2023, I'll be a dean, a priest. But I decided to, to share with you this stuff again, not to blast or criticize or condemn anyone, but to show you um, and to also let you know that it is the will of God in my life that I have decided to follow him. I am not saying that you can be, that you can't, that if you're in a bad seminary, um, you can't be a good priest. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that um, you should, or anyone should disobey the bishop because he's not listening to them. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that if you speak to your vocations director and if you talk with your spiritual director, if your heart is troubled, if you are not comfortable, if your concerns are not being met, or you, you know what's the strangest thing about everything? I was talking and writing all these letters and I didn't feel that anyone was listening to me. And that is why I want you to have the image of the prodigal son in your heart and in your head. Because I believe, I believe, I believe if my bishop had listened to me, if my bishop and pull me, pull me to himself and reassure me of the hand of God in all of this. If I had the Eucharist and the Mass and a loving community while in Jamaica and at seminary, I can assure you that I would have stayed in Jamaica, at that seminary, and working for the people of God in Jamaica. And that is one of my fears before I decide, you know, uh, but that's one of my fears of um, when we talk about local vocation in Jamaica. We will cry out and call out for vocation to the priesthood and to the religious life of being a sister, a religious brother, will beg for vocations. But in Jamaica, they do not know how to nourish, to grow, to foster, and to welcome vocations. I can think of the many times when I felt abandoned, alone, depressed, sad, and I give thanks for my friends, Michael Gordon, for Marlon Johnson, for Jodian Mancrief, for Richard Hines, for Janelle Scott, for Chanille Moore, for Giovanni, and for all my friends who, who pulled me aside, who hugged me, who loved me, who talked to me, who listened to me, who encouraged me. 
you know. But there are many guys, there are many girls who want to become priests and, and religious sisters. But the church, I believe, is not listening. It's not listening. I and mean, when we, we're not listening to our young people, we're not listening to those who want to give their lives, but they're afraid that when they do come into these religious houses and these seminaries, that they will be treated less than a person, than a human being. Because they should know, follow instruction. While those who should lead them are not listening. And so, um, I did not leave Jamaica because of a, politic of a particular person, or persons. I decided to leave because my heart was heavy, I was sad. Um, the system wasn't ready for formation or seminary, and I still don't believe it is ready. And so um, I cried sometimes. Sometimes I cry when I see um, the possibilities, when I see the opportunities for growth, for love, and there's none. There's nobody watering, nobody watering and fostering and planting. Nobody's watering. It just seems as if we have given up on vocations and the church and people and on loving and listening. The story of the prodigal son is very important to me because that is all that's my relationship with God. My relationship with God, I see him as a loving father who continues to welcome me despite my own shortcomings, my own weakness, my own fears. I continue to see him as that. And so whenever I see a priest, I see him as a loving father. But as if I see him as one who is arrogant, one who, who just shakes his shoulder at his sheep, then he no longer become the image of the good shepherd. He is no longer the image of that good shepherd who would go after his sheep, after that one sheep who have left. And I, my, my, my prayer for Jamaica that our priests and our bishops will be people with a listening heart and a listening ears. That they would listen to the young people. That's the only way we'll get vocations. Nobody, no one, will willingly leave their house, no matter how bad it is, to go into a structure or a community that belittles them, that do not care for their growth. I pray that 
Jesus the Good Shepherd will help us to understand how to shepherd his flock. Thank you for joining me today on In The Spotlight. I do hope that this helped all of you who are listening at this moment to understand the healing power, the healing power of listening. Have a good day. Take care of yourself and thank you.